Yeah, hold on. <gasps> okay. Hey, buddy, come on. It's okay. Are we now live? It's We're okay. live. It's okay. Good. We are. Man, okay. Exley is it's just right. a fierce director on this. Okay, I we know. we it's were okay, not buddy. thinking that the time mattered, but Exley was like, you get out on stage and you get out right now. I have to go check on the front door and show him that there's nobody there. <laughs> See, nobody. There's nobody there. It was just the UPS man. Okay? okay. Are well, we good? Well, honest doing that, I'm going to welcome everyone to a very belated... Okay, come uh, on. September right, come at AUA. Um, if come you on. listen to Good our boy. sort of preface to our repeat episode this week, uh, you are likely aware of why we have not had uh, the AUA, <laughs> um, which is mostly actually, no, I think it might very well be entirely my fault. Uh, no, since, not entirely. Okay, but like 80%, you know, in that okay, I, sure. I was. I was not around. I mean, I have taken three trips in the last month, basically. Uh, in the last month, I went to Poly French Polynesia. I went to Montreal um, to a lot of French places for some reason. French Polynesia for a just pure vacation, unadulterated vacation, uh, to Montreal for the American Political Science Association meetings. And then I went to uh, London earlier this week uh, to present at Chatham House. Um, and also, like, just deal with the logistical wreckage that is the queen's funeral um i could rant on that if you want me to so perfectly happy to do that uh yeah it was fancy that's true um you know and but the nice thing is i'm not traveling anymore anytime soon which i'm quite honestly happy about because one of the effects of the pandemic at least for me has been to realize that i was traveling too much before um oh. and yeah yeah i miss traveling uh, i like trap so i mean I think I've probably traveled a little more than you have, like since the as the pandemic has yeah. eased. I maybe I'm wrong about that. It's yeah. not that I don't want to travel at all. It's that I was one of those people that when the pandemic initially hit in March of 2020, I was actually relieved for a brief mm. time because it meant that like all the trips I had committed to, I didn't have to go to. Although admittedly, I am very sad I did not come to Austin to do South by Southwest with you. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that's right. We but were going to do that. That was the thing that got we canceled because of the pandemic. That was exactly stupid pandemic. Um, okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the questions now that are being asked of you. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I will answer the true crime thing. Yeah, I was actually wound up cause I was, <laughs> cause I was doing chores while I was listening to podcasts. So our podcast popped up and I was busy like with my hands. So I went up listening to our <laughs> latest episode. And I realized I said nothing about why everything was so interesting in LA. I sort of failed. Like if I was writing about it, I would have been like, Anna, you just keep talking about it being interesting and you are not showing, you're just telling. Um, so I can't say much about the project, but I, I think I will say why it was so fascinating, which is that um, we're at an interesting moment kind of with this true crime uh, moment true crime, interesting moment with the moment renaissance yeah. where the kind of people that were involved in true crime in let's say this 80s and 90s and even early aughts are transitioning into the post serial true crime <laughs> you know kind of uh productions the post um uh, lewinsky true crime where more woke, I guess, is actually one way to put it, and more sophisticated, I think it would not be too too 
bad a way to say it either. I would I would say it's the other way to think about it is, is that it's less tabloidy. I mean, yeah, right, you know, the, right, right. That's exactly it. That's that's a yeah. much more succinct way to put it. So yeah. the people who were involved in the tabloid era of true crime are still around, right? And uh, they, <laughs> yeah. So I've been dealing. So that's sort of my the short maybe the way I can say it is that the project I'm working on. The people involved are a mixture of your snooty, non-tabloid journalists and production companies, and then some characters <laughs> <laughs> from the earlier iterations of true crime, uh, including the kind of person that helped create what I will call stunts. That's what I'll call them um, around reality, you know, productions. And or, or perhaps the best way to put it would be that sort of blurred the line between what we would consider. Yeah, there you go. There and you what go. we consider yes. reality television. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. That is the way to put yes. it. Stunts is maybe he did not like it when I said stunt. Um, <laughs> so that, that was the only word I can I can think of. But he the, the man that that is one of the people involved in this project that's sort of reassessing some some earlier true crime we can't reassess earlier true crime productions without involving the people that made the earlier true crime productions and that has been what's been interesting also it's been interesting because we're working i'm i've got involved in this project a little ways into it and it's already the way you make money in hollywood is ip and uh that is why everyone is doing this like that's <laughs> everyone wants to sell the individual project to like the, the project people want to sell it but there's a lot of interest in just owning the ip for future things you know <laughs> yeah. like and that's that's where all the money the dollar signs are i i think i'm in the minority on the production team where i really just want to make the documentary that we're making <laughs> I, just, I just really would like to do that and everyone else is like, and then we're going to sell the rights and then we're going to sell the IP and then we're going to like, you know, um, that uh, the other thing I'm learning about Hollywood is that there's a lot of work before you get paid. There's two ways to get paid in Hollywood is what someone was explaining to me. Like one is that you do the kind of thing we're doing right now, which is you put a lot of work into a project, especially a documentary project. You wind up spending a lot of money and doing a lot of work before. Like it's very it's hard to get someone one. to. It's, it's very hard to get someone to invest in a documentary project before you have something, right? Because um, you don't have stars attached or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you work a lot and put a lot of money into it. And then at some point you get a payday. And then the other way you make money is a more ideal way, which is that you sell an idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that's it. That's like, <laughs> that is the way, and, and it's like a, something gets optioned, you know, um, an idea gets gets taken up. That is not the path that I've seen yet. I have just seen the putting a lot of work into something and hoping someone buys it eventually. So. You know what, Otto? I like to think that really you're putting in the work now and that will eventually pay off. But then that means you're <laughs> going to become an idea lady later. So, like, yes. you know, two years from now, you're just going to be like, idea, you know, foundation, but we do it well. And then suddenly, boom, <laughs> you're but that's actually, yeah, that is the, the end. The hope for everyone in Hollywood, it seems like, is you get to the place where you're like, yeah, exactly that. Foundation, but Handmaiden's Tale. 
Right. You know, and like <laughs> or foundation meets Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Foundation meets foundation, but they solve crimes. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> foundation. foundation SVU. We could. We yeah, Foundation SVU. That's right. Yes. Uh, CSI Foundation. There we go. Yeah. There we go. It's even better. Yes. I like yes, CSI yes. Foundation. That actually kind there of would go. work, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Because you have the the history, like what is his psycho history, and like you use psycho history yeah. to solve crimes, right? <laughs> like, there you go. Also, you know uh, there would be some like prosecutor would be like, I can't use psycho history as evidence. I can't enter it into evidence. Like, it, it would be good. There would be some good dynamics there. All right, uh, we can answer more questions now. Is there a question good. for you, Dan? Let's see. Uh, well, I like There's the first one. What? Okay. Oh, go ahead. That, What's a sci-fi sci trope? Yeah. yeah. What's a sci-fi trope you wish you could see more of? Um, you know what? I will answer that question because I actually saw it uh, while watching Andor. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Anna. I was going to ask you if you've been watching Andor. I have I not have been seen watching Andor. a single episode. So, so I've watched all three. I enjoyed them. Um, and one of the things I enjoyed in particular, which, I mean, it's not that it doesn't exist in in sci-fi, but I actually think it's rarer than you would think is, for lack of a way of putting it, corruption. Um, you know, that the the idea that whatever the bureaucracy is that's running things in the future is not terrifically uh, well run and, you know, that there's, that trying to do things the right way actually can cause complications. So there's a great scene, for, at least that I enjoyed immensely, in the first episode of Andor where um, which takes place in a corporate sort of security headquarters where the guy who's in charge is clearly seen way too much. And, you know, uh, two of his underlings have, have been killed. And like this really ambitious guy wants to like investigate. And this older guy gives this great speech explaining why that would be a bad idea in like six different ways. Um, and it was just this wonderful old tired speech. And maybe, it, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but it was like, Oh yeah, that's some good Tony Gilroy stuff right there, um, and so so that was that was where I was like Tony Gilroy's addition to the the Star Wars universe was a good thing. So um, you know, for lack of a way of putting it, I want to see more Casablanca in space, um, where but like more in terms of like Rick in the beginning where he's embittered and cynical, um, and like Cla the Claude Rains character essentially. Uh, I. Well, you know, everyone knows this, who's, who's, who's a fan of the podcast, mm -hmm. which is I like uh, crime in space, which I guess is sort mm -hmm. of related to, to to what you like. For some reason, I, I thought of heists in space. I like a good heist. Mm. Like that space would be fun. Yeah. Space heists, mm -hmm. uh, which essentially, you know, actually Star Wars movies actually have some heists in them. Um uh, you could argue the and, Firefly episodes we did recently; those are space heists. Oh yeah, yeah. there's there's yeah. those are space heists too. Um, yeah. I really I think it's hard for me to, to get outside that because that's such a favorite. Um, I enjoy meticulous world building, which I do think sometimes. I mean, one of the one of the pleasures of genre is shorthand, right? Yeah, like you get to not necessarily do spend a lot of time on certain aspects of story because you're like we're we are in, you know, X environment which you know from all the other environment all the other world building that's gone before me, and so we can just proceed with the story, right? Um, I can spend a long time on world like I I get fascinated 
by just the in, by just making the world happen. I think that's one of the reasons. Although it's funny, I was actually thinking of oh god, what's the series we did um, that was a straight up hard boiled. Uh, not altered carbon altered carbon right like there's a lot of novel for that yeah yeah there's a lot of world building in that Mm -hmm. that i really appreciated just getting Mm -hmm. into the details of what it would be like if you had people who could live hundreds of years you know um i think that sometimes the ramifications of changes that are made to our reality don't get played out enough and that's one of my complaints with for all mankind yeah, no, that's a great point, which is that there, there are times where, and I think this is this also is why Le Guin is often worth reading. Yes. I think, and because yes. she yes. she does think it all the way through, and in some ways that that's something to her her credit. But a lot of times, someone who's writing in sci- the sci fi genre comes up with a really nifty idea or an intriguing, you know, premise. But the problem is, is that you know they've thought through maybe the immediate implications, but they haven't thought through the second or third order elements of it, and so as a result, you wind up, you know, not quite. It doesn't quite land in the way that it should. Yeah. Um, the experience so that, does a really yeah. good job of thinking through everything, too. Like, that's another reason why yeah. it's it's such an enjoyable show. And I think, actually, this is... I have long been fascinated by the fact that people in our line of business are are often sci-fi fans. And I think it's the world mm-hmm. building that, that captures us. I think that because we do world sure. building in real life, right? Like, oh. that is our job, is to that's think true. through yeah. ramifications of of changes, like, oh yeah, no, that's that, changes made. Yeah, what happens? You know, yeah. six iterations down the line, and so it's to true. see it happen in fiction is really exciting. No, it's true in some ways because in it, look this way on your side of the fence, it has much more to do with narrative, uh, which we have to do in in social science. But in my side of the fence, it's narrative, but it's all there is a narrative aspect of it. But it's also okay. Look, you're creating a model. That's fine. You're going to tinker with this. Fine. Think it all the way through. What does that actually mean? And in some ways, what separates the good arguments from the bad ones, the ones that have actually thought it all the way through. I think that's a lot of what journalism is about, too. And journalism is often about and the kind of journalism that I care about and try to do is that what happens to the people at the lowest end of the of the cycle. Right. Like what happens like you need X change. (laughs) You know, what happens if that gets played out? Like I happen I did a panel. I, I moderated a panel yesterday at the Texas Tribune Festival with Wendy Ooh. Davis, Donna Howard, and Alexis McGill, who's the president of Planned Parenthood. And one of the things that we were talking about has to do with the fact that, well, I, <laughs> why should women trust politicians in general? Um, but and that has, and that's because like it it sometimes takes a person who's you know intimately affected by these policies to see that they're all connected but you know reproductive rights is connected to voting rights is connected to economic changes right like in texas you know abortion is is illegal but also we have the low we have the highest um second highest maternal mortality rate in the country we have the <laughs> we, we have a, we have a crisis in uh obgyn and other care for for people with uteruses uh there is very few places to get the kind of emergency care that is going to be needed um there is you know we don't have the uh they haven't expanded medicaid here haven't taken advantage of obamacare's medicaid so we have a huge uninsured population no family leave like and all these things work in concert right yeah and to to create an environment where women are just going to get 
worse <laughs> gains that women have had, which include things like being able to be involved in politics, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. get get pulled back because of these policy changes working in concert, you oh, know? And I, I think that that's, that's the kind of thing that a good science fiction writer will think through, right? And that's what Margaret Atwood deals with. I mean, Margaret Atwood's problematic, but that is what Handmaid's Tale is about. It's about all those policies working in concert. Fair enough. Okay. Um, you pick the next one. All right. Rings of Power. Um, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I saw someone talk about it as the most expensive fan fiction ever made. <laughs> and I think that's a really good description. Um, I am not a huge Tolkien fan in general. Uh, the books, I enjoyed the Peter Jackson movies. Um, the cartoon version of, of uh, Lord of the Rings from the 70s uh, was a favorite oh, I remember of mine that. as a kid. Yeah. Or The Hobbit, I guess it's The Hobbit. Uh, yeah. But the books, it's, I mean, here I am talking about how I love world building, but I guess there is such a thing as too much. <laughs> 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 there is such a thing as too much world building you can't you can't overdo it how dare you uh, talk about tom bombadil like that i can't yeah, you know, no, I'm just appalled, no. utterly appalled no but i've I, also been enjoying like the people i i've i've said before i enjoy all the youtubers that do like the intense easter egg breakdowns of this stuff uh, so I've been enjoying the people that do the commentary on rings of power that connect it all back but I'm glad that I don't have to do that. I'm I'm glad that I just get to enjoy the. It's very pretty. It's a it's incredibly well done. So mm. that's fun. I have not watched any of Rings of Power. Um, I I think I share a similar take with you about Tolkien. Actually, Tolkien fascinates me as a writer because I have never seen. I don't think there is another writer anywhere that has quite the same combination of. There's there's three elements in Tolkien any Tol in 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 Tolkien's writings. The first is the world building, which I agree with you does tend to go to excess, but some of it is really honestly very interesting. The second is, and I don't know how else to put this, the man is obsessed with logistics. Yeah, like, literally, they're like you know if they're going on an expedition, there has to be twenty pages about what they're doing in order to prepare for that expedition, and it like that's the part where it's like, I, yeah, even I think I think logistics are important, but dear God, like you know you can. You can skip that part. And then amazingly, he is so good at writing action, which is not something I would have thought. But like reading him, you know, there are times where like, you know, he's the author that I honestly think comes closest to where I'm reading him and thinking, wait, I'm seeing this like it is an action movie. It's amazing. Like, you know, and and so that I always appreciated by him. But it's, it's such an odd combination because there's like propulsive plot. And then, oh, no, no, now there's going to be 50 more pages of world building and 25 more pages of logistics. And it's incredibly boring. I want to. I was thinking that um, Station Eleven is another good example of, of uh, someone who has thought all the way through yeah. what you know the in this particular way of ending the world would look like, and that's often what's enjoyable about apocalyptic fiction is the degree to which they thought through what the, all of the ramifications are. All right, Dan, you pick the next one. Okay, uh, best winter holiday movie for IR and or critiques of capitalism. Um, for critiques of capitalism, I think it has to be Snowpiercer. I yeah. mean, Snowpiercer is the most brutal critique. Of, actually, it's both. It's 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 a brutal critique of systems. Period. Um, which 
uh at some point we have to do, uh, well at some point we are going to be doing this um and then i can reveal my violently mixed feelings about um about that film um best winter holiday movie for international scrooge scrooge <laughs> that's gotta be it dan if you want a you holiday go. movie that's a critique of capitalism although obviously everything's trapped within the scheme of crap capitalism but yeah uh i i i that's a it's one of the, the one of the better Bill Murray movies. Um, I guess uh, I'm trying to think again that balance of holiday. So many holiday movies do just do have to have to glorify the gift giving part of Christmas and therefore art, art, which turns into weirdly a celebration of capitalism, right? Even though it's about giving. Yeah. So it's hard to say there, but I, I mean, So Piercer is on our list for cold sci-fi winter. Yes, we're looking so, for for cold sci-fi winter. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, for, uh, in particular, a holiday movie. I don't. This is the person who asked that question. Do you have a th a thought about that so that we could, Billy? Do you are you thinking of something so that we'll feel silly for not having thought of it? I'm waiting for. And while you think that, maybe we should go to the next question. Okay. Um. Uh, I have I can not say that I have. Okay. Oh, no, no, go, go ahead. ahead. We well, have to, have we're watched... working on this. <laughs> um, I have not watched Only Murders in the Building, but it is on my sort of list to watch. Uh, so that is certainly uh, uh, looking forward to that. But no. Have I seen haven't it? seen it either. It comes highly recommended by my friends. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it's on my very long list as well. I like Die Hard for IR, holiday movie for sure. Not much of a critique of capitalism, but definitely for IR uh oh so i hadn't thought about this i'm not entirely sure it works but this is something we need to talk about at some point which is babylon 5 or not babylon 5 i'm sorry um avenue 5 avenue 5 uh oh right you've it, seen that i haven't seen it yeah yeah um because it is there is a i think there's a christmas episode in there but it's it's a very odd thing um starring hugh laurie and um josh gad and I will admit, it was. I think it stuck with me because I watched it in the first. It, it started in January of 2020, and it ended in mid March of 2020. And I, I have to think that our Armando Iannucci is an actual fucking genius because, like, it, it. There's a way in which watching that you completely understand why the pandemic would have occurred. I guess would be the way to put it. <laughs> um, it is. An, it's an interesting thing. Um, well, you so, now you've now moved it up on my list. Uh, yeah oh no no it's uh yeah 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 there was a space there was a not quite luxury liner in space mini series that i want to say that was also kind of conspiracy is about it was I, I think i can't spoil it too much but i'm going to try to think of the name of it but it had the like humanities like going off on it. it was almost like snowpiercer and then it was very oh. class centric too um and then, okay, I guess I'll spoil it. And then it turned out the whole thing was still on Earth and they were not really going to space and it was an experiment. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, I think I saw this. It was like a short, it was like a, uh, it was a sci-fi like miniseries because, um, oh, the woman from BS Battlestar Galactica was in it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, I like that. That was a, 
that was an intriguing premise that it turns out everything was like it was just like an experiment um, yeah on the people but and i had there's some reason the i think it was it. genetics that there was the reason they were doing it i can't it's funny it must not have been that good if we can't remember the, the, the if we can't remember all the details of it are you looking it up i'm gonna look it up because this is actually I, it bugs me when i can never remember the name of this okay. these sorts of things uh, any thoughts on the scientific investigations, evidence of the paranormal, paranormal, such as near-death experiences, life after death, or ESP, and such? I will answer this while Dan is Dan is Good. typing. Um, I am a believer in God, uh, which to me necessitates um, having to be open to supernatural in general. Like, I think that if you're going to say there's one supernatural being and possibility of supernatural, then you can't like be like, and nothing else. There's only this one thing. And that is it. Um, that doesn't mean I actually believe, but I do think there are things out there beyond our understanding. Um, and that doesn't mean I believe I, I have a longish story about how the moment there was a moment in my sobriety where I realized that I thought I, that I did not feel responsible for my own sobriety and therefore my sobriety was product was probably a product of some kind of <laughs> higher power, higher power. Thank you. Yes. That's the term we use. Uh, and in that moment, I happened to be reading a Stephen King book and <laughs> I did. That was actually sort of the point where I was like, wait, if there's such a thing as God, then maybe there is such a thing as vampires, you know, and I kind of scared myself. Uh, ESP, I don't think is on the same, is actually in the same kind of place as supernatural, because I think that maybe there's so much about the brain we don't, we don't understand. And there is so much evidence for the ways in which our, like, we have perception that's not, it's not necessarily extrasensory, but our sensory perception is so fine that we some, these, I think there's, a, there's, you know, theories about when we have so-called premonitions, it's just that our brain is subconsciously putting together a lot of hints. Ascension, that's right. Um, our brain is putting together a lot of hints that are totally just real world, but then our intuition like forms it into like some prediction or thought um, of what might actually happen. Do you not have you not heard that, Dan? I no, like I no, like that it, as an explanation for sometimes being able to quote unquote see the future. Like that's good. The problem with that, so, sorry the the it's the social science skeptic in me because no, I, it's gonna be skeptic. It's it's yeah. I mean because what it, it makes might, me think is that the problem is is that human beings are extremely good at taking random bits of information yeah. and developing a cogent theory that ties them all together. Um, the problem is, is that what that often leads to is overfitting or overprediction, um, which is the the obverse of that. On the other hand, you know, am I celebrating Rosh Hashanah tonight, and am I going to be fasting ten days from now for Yom Kippur, and am I going to be apologizing for to all those who I've sinned, including you, you know, dear watchers? I I do apologize for for all my gallivanting this month and and sort of uh, don't apologize the for the gallivanting. Like, okay. we should have just been a little more thoughtful about how we were going to handle the gallivanting. I think that, that might also yes. be. I'll take some responsibility there, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. But anyway. Anything so more like to say that about was... Supernatural? No, no. I think that sounds about right. <laughs> we actually have watched She-Hulk. Uh, 
both of us. I think we mentioned it in our what we did in our summer vacation. Right. Series. We had only watched. I think the only only the pilot episode was out at that point. And I think we're now four or five episodes in, which I have watched all of them. I don't know if you have, Anna. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? It's sort of your turn to chat. Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings about She-Hulk um, because on the one hand, there is a part I like about it and that it's sort of, you know, what if we do a league? What if we do like a legal style show and just occasionally bring in, you know, random characters from the MCU? So I liked Wong. Um, I particularly like Wong hanging out with the party girl. I thought that was extremely funny. Um, and, you know, bringing back Emil Blonsky was good. Uh, I like anything Jamila Jamil is in, so that'll be, you know, automatically good. And I'm assuming Daredevil is going to be stopping by and, you know, there are going to be a few others. Um, all of that I, I like. I think I like the the commentary on, you know, trying to be a woman, you know, woman in your 30s in 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 an in, in MCU kind of world. Um, although I do think it's a little, I don't know, it's a little sadder than I think it should be on that front. I mean, maybe this is like, I, I don't know. I think Jennifer, I like, I don't like how Jennifer Walters is always put upon in this show. It's the one, it, it drags it down a little bit for me. <laughs> um, ah, yeah. I don't know. It feels pretty accurate. Um, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, that is one of the things I like about the show. I think it can mm -hmm. be a little maybe heavy handed, but I think the essential it. take on it isn't incorrect. That's um, fair. I think it, but it's the heavy handed. The show, the show but, but, it, but even, yeah. but the show where she got so many dates as She-Hulk and then rejected yes. as Jen, it's yeah. a little, you know, on the nose. Is too on the nose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also real, you know, like. Is it, this is the part I couldn't quite figure out. Like, you know, I, I. I will acknowledge my gender is completely shallow and superficial at times, but the idea that the guy was like totally into She-Hulk, but not into literally the same person, just, you know, as Jennifer Walters struck me as weird. I don't know. I think, it, I, I don't know. I think they're guys that they're, they're I've met them. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. No, you no, know, no. That's there I, are I, I will accept that point. Yeah. Dudes out there that are that way. I think what, a lot of men are better at kind of covering it, you know, like maybe that's the case. Okay. He yeah, was just, fair. so he was just like, that was the, on the nose part is just, he was like, no, thanks. He just said it. Jen. Yeah. He just said, yeah. And, I, I respect, Whereas, and also because Jen is attractive. Like that's the other thing. Right. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the, no, that's the thing that's bothering me. And maybe this is like just yeah. the nature of like these sorts of shows, but somehow we're all pretending Tatiana Maslany is not like an attractive woman that, you know, uh, although she does have bad hair like I, I don't think the curls work. she does have Which, bad hair and her hair is she hulk yeah. in the latest episode she commented on how good her hair looks as she hulk and it is really yes. good hair as she hulk i it's mean really cgi good. so it's yeah it's but i think you're, like hair, that's but... but what you just said i think is is gets it i think actually gets to the distinction between which is if there had somehow been a subtler way of him doing that i think i would mm -hmm. like the show better but because you know they don't do it that way. It's a, there's a way in which I think they they cut corners. Um, I will say also I am a huge fan of the the actress who's playing the assistant, the legal yeah. assistant. I, I think yeah. she's really good and is steals almost every scene she's in. So and I I will always love Renee Elise Goldberry and I think that's her the actress's name, the one who's playing Mallory. Um, oh yeah, the African American attorney. So she's really good. So like there's a lot and of also the, a, the yeah. comedian playing Lulu in the latest episode is really great. The bride in the latest episode. Oh yes, yes, yes. That so that I actually was going to ask you about this because this is the other thing I do find interesting is that 
this show takes a couple of jabs at like a type of woman that is interesting to me because you know it's 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 almost a little dangerous to do now but like i actually think it nonetheless makes some valid points in the or it's risky to do you know but like the the madison character and then the bride character both are you know for lack of a way of putting it very self-centered and and sort of drama queeny but those felt like real characters to me i guess I'm, they I'm did curious. feel like real characters especially madison with an i or with yes. a y but not where you'd think <laughs> but not where you um, think which i you I, know where you think yeah that was uh, a line where I, i'm glad i'm glad they reused that line that was that was a line worth recycling that's like a trader joe's yeah. bag yeah i think um i think that that was actually much better like a much better version of the kind of self-centered but because yeah. i was about to say airhead because that's the thing is i think that the the that madison character winds up not being an airhead no she's i don't think she's an airhead yeah. girl, right right exactly and yes she winds yes, up right. kind of being a foil in an interesting way to wong not yes. just she's not just comic relief right the exactly. bride character i think gets a gets a, you get a lot of mileage out of how good that comedian is yeah. Um, and I would like to have known more about the backstory of why she's behaving the way she is. Right. Like, I Again, think that that's like, what would have made the character. Yeah. What makes it dangerous, unwoke or whatever to like have her just be the character she was is that you're not giving her a context. Yeah. That I think that's correct. She's just a stereotype and doesn't have a context. Whereas like with Madison, you're you have a stereotype and then you subvert the stereotype a little bit. Right. Yeah. And also she or has more time on screen so she can, yeah. she can, she can do that. But like, also like in the wedding episode that they have Jennifer doing the laundry, that made no sense. I mean, that was like overly broad and I just, it didn't work. Yeah, I, I agree. There was like, because there are other ways, like having been involved in various weddings, like there are other ways to diss some, like to, to, you know, exclude the other, the non-cool right. bridesmaid right. besides like making her do laundry you know, yeah. like, but I, and I just, it could have been I, more subtle. Know. By the way, I think I will. I think this is true. I think the 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 writer for the episode with Madison was Dana Schwartz. Um, who oh, <laughs> yeah. No wonder that was good. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So Very you. Good. Yes. So like, yeah. Dana, yeah. like I, I I follow Dana on Twitter. You know, she's she. I've read one or two of her books. She's very funny. I was like, I was delighted to see her name on the credits, and so like that was like well done. Um, great next question, which is, ha have we considered covering a pre 20th century books, which is, of course, we have done at the Mountains of Madness. Uh, mm. Or was that pre 20th century? I guess. That's, no, that's not pre 20th century. That's 20th century. Early 20th century. Because there were planes, among other things. So, yeah. Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. I guess I was going, I was just like, that is probably the oldest book we've done. Um, yeah. We talked about when we were starting up the for this podcast and coming up with ideas. Yeah, we did at one point think about doing like the origins of sci-fi, mm -hmm. uh, and I think Time Machine. We, um, we talked. We talked about doing like one per decade. We, we yeah yeah that yeah was the, yeah, uh, and we would have started with H.G. Wells, I think, or we could have started with Mary Shelley. That was the other option, I think. I would uh, love to do Frankenstein. That. Actually, that I think yeah, that would, would be, be kind of fun. especially you know adding in sort of the uh, the female writer, which we work to get you know represented uh i also would really love to do there's very early there's there's so there are a lot of different things that, that people point to as the origins of sci-fi because i think it's impossible for humans not to do speculative 
fiction. Like that's just what we do. (laughs) And also like, what's the difference between myths and science fiction? Right. Like it, it, or at least between myths and like the MCU or something or, Right. I think Dan and I are both pretty generous in our definition of science fiction. Like we generally just do the stuff that we think is cool and is not reality based. Like it's not, or not reality based, not, that doesn't adhere to the strictures, strictly adhere to the strictures of reality, which is why I think, for instance, like we haven't done, like there's military, like we talked about doing ghost, not, is it ghost ship? or ghost army what's the speculative military fiction that the guy we ghost both fleet. know ghost, ghost, ghost fleet. fleet yeah uh, by like Peter we Singer. talked about doing and that Taylor but Cole. that's like speculative fiction that's just fully grounded in reality <laughs> like right yeah, it's yeah. not really science fiction it's just yeah speculative it's just fiction um, so it just doesn't feel right like for the podcast but uh <laughs> i like billy's observation here <laughs> when, when Hugo Weaving wears sunglasses and a black hat, it's fantasy when he wears robes and pointy ears. That's entirely fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that it is costuming that makes the real difference. Uh, I, I mean, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is we basically just talk about whatever we're interested in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did do Top Gun Maverick, which I do think was still science fiction-y, but like, you know, yeah. we're, we're, well, we're, we're standing very Tom close to the border well, of not. Yes. Tom yes. Cruise believes that we're all the product of an alien invasion, you know, That's so okay. like, yeah. <laughs> and he potentially is an alien, <laughs> I think. Uh, so, I mean, so I, I hope that that, um, maybe for the listeners here opens up your suggestions for us. Like we're really open to lots of different things. And I Mm -hmm. I think we'd love to do more stuff off the beaten path, especially as it's representative of people that aren't, you know, Uh, and uh, yeah, that's battlefield earth is in fact on the list of my schlock and awe, uh, schlock or awe uh, possibility. So yeah, don't worry. We we're, we're, we're on that. Yeah. Um, Dan, you want to pick the next one? I'll just tackle one quickly because it, it was a follow-up on She-Hulk, which was how we felt about her breaking the fourth wall. Um, as the questioner pointed out, she does this in the comics, and in fact, apparently it predated Deadpool doing it. I have no, I have no problem with her breaking the fourth wall. I actually like it. Um, I, I think it's it's been the source of some of the funnier lines in the show. Um, I did like how she was like, aren't you just pissed off we're doing this wedding episode right now? And like completely like, you know... And, and like acknowledging that everyone was hoping Daredevil was going to be in this episode and he's clearly not. It's going to be, you know, coming down the pike. So uh, I have no problem with the fourth wall thing. Yeah, I tend to enjoy fourth wall breaking when it's done with judiciously, which I think it, She-Hulk is doing it pretty judiciously. Right. If uh, I, and because I the show that, is a commentary on other yeah. media, it makes yeah. sense. I will also add, if you like, uh, this is, has nothing to do with sci-fi, but if you are a fan of the fourth wall breaking, uh, the movie on Paramount uh, Plus called Honor Society, which I was a big fan of over the summer, lots of fourth wall breaking and and uh, uh, is very effective in terms of how it does it. On my list, on my long list. Okay. Um, what do you think of antiheroes? I mean, like a, I like a good redemption story, but I could not, for example, get into The Sopranos because I could not imagine developing such an affection for a guy who is a mobster involved in murder and associated crimes, i.e. things well behind, well beyond Firefly Heist. 
So I guess I mean to ask, what do you think of antiheroes as likable, lovable, beloved heroes? I let me I'll tackle that first because I will say that if you if you ha didn't watch The Sopranos, I I would say you're missing out. Um, not just because of Tony, but because of the other characters on the show. Uh, but I think the way I would put it is that for me, an antihero is interesting only if they had the capacity to go in a different direction. And then the question becomes, why didn't they? Um, and I think that's why The Sopranos worked, by the way, because Tony was someone who, yeah, not a good guy, but someone who I think deep down actually wanted to be a good guy for a fair amount of that show, which was why he goes into therapy, one of the reasons he goes into therapy and so forth. And, you know, in the end, he winds up choosing a darker path. But in some ways that, you know, it, it's all the sadder because you could have seen a different, a counterfactual history where he made a different choice. Um, and so for me, I think antiheroes are, antiheroes are interesting if, they either have just cause for why they believe what they do, or if they are smart enough to recognize that they could have taken a different path and choose not to. But I will also add that once they go down that route, it becomes less interesting. So I think the latter seasons of The Sopranos were not bad, but like it, it just wasn't as interesting from the perspective of Tony's character. And same with Mad Men, whereas, um, you know, Don Draper, the moment Don Draper decided to marry Megan as opposed to the psychiatrist, I became bored with the show. Uh, because you knew he was just going to be the same character that he always was. Anna, what about you? It's funny. You've described, like, I stopped watching Mad Men and The Sopranos. Like, <laughs> like the, I haven't seen the latter seasons of either of them uh, for okay. these reasons. You know? Yeah. As much as yeah. I like John Hamm, much more fun to watch than James Gandolfini, uh, just from a, <laughs> from a person who is attracted to men point of view. Uh, <laughs> I think that there is a difference. Um, Billy points out there's a difference between an antihero and a villain protagonist. Yeah, I think that it is the choices that that it is the capacity for good that makes an interesting antihero, right? Yeah. And I think for me, what the Sopranos wound up doing is he just kept choosing <laughs> to not be good, right? Like there wasn't right. a lot of tension about what he was going to do. Like he just right. kept being a mobster. Right. Yeah. Whereas I think in the first few seasons, there was kind of like, well, is he going to continue this life? Like, is he going to get better? Is he going to make better choices? Nope, 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 nope. So um, my single, I will add my single favorite episode of The Sopranos actually doesn't have Tony as the main character. It's Lorraine Bracco's character, the uh, Dr. Melfi, who, when she's assaulted and realizes oh, yeah. all she has to do is give the name to Tony and like it'll be dealt with. And it's an amazing episode that ends with her. It's it's like she's she's flirted a little in some ways it's a different choice. She's flirted a little bit with the idea of telling him stuff and then finally she's like, No, that's not a line I'm gonna cross. And it was a great episode. As far as I do think it's possible to have an antihero who is consistently making let's say antisocial choices, but still compelling and wanting to watch. And I will point to another sort of pre peak TV series. The Wire. Mm -hmm. um, oh, where... I think The Wire has got to be part of peak TV. I mean, well, it's maybe pre, the but term it's pre, wasn't like, coined, it's, but it's... It's, the, it's pre what we yeah, had the yeah. term and before yeah, we had yeah. like a thousand prestige yeah, dramas and we just had like okay. The Sopranos and The Wire. Because, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we all, you know, love the, the, the Stringer Bell. We all love uh, 
gosh, who is the character? Uh, you go with the king, you best not miss. Um, someone's going to say it in the... Omar. 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 Yeah, we all love Omar. Yeah. We all love Stringer Bell. And they may, and, would, and they're yeah. interesting. Can I, I let me finish? <laughs> they're interesting sorry, sorry. because, um, although they make continuously, you know, anti-social choices, I will say, in terms of like killing, in terms of remaining criminals, um, we understand why they're making those choices. Yeah. And we can see ourselves making those same choices too. Right? I would, uh, yeah. And there's would a weird, then there's honor among thieves kind of right. ethos to it as well. I would add two other shows that FX did that also are like very good on the anti-hero thing. One is The Shield, um, which ha Vic Mackey was the sort of perfect anti-hero. And the other is The Americans, which I know you haven't watched, but is you Not should. Um, in which you find yourself rooting for two Soviet spies. It's very strange. Um, but, you know, the, the characters are sufficiently grounded so that you actually... Um, you do develop empathy for them and they're not all bad. It's, it's a, it's a legitimately complicated story. And um, breaking bad, of course, took this too. If you uh, don't mind yeah. my using that for took, you know, made, made this a science. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. In that it was a continual downward journey, right? Like it was the making yeah. of an anti-hero uh, and, all of the things that made that series great kept you watching. I haven't been able to get into Better Call Saul, although that's a similar like show in its structure, I suppose. And I love Bob Odenkirk so much, but I just, hmm. I don't know, for some reason I haven't been able to get into it. I haven't watched either show, I'll be honest. Um, there's just only so much, you know, time in the day. But yeah. Uh, I would put it on your long list. Um, okay. Billy asked about the top dogs in sci-fi media and i'm going <laughs> to confess i can't think of five um who can you think of is i think the, the i actually can't think of any i mean we have a a, a saj saji who i on our wait who's the prey dog i'm so bad with names um, oh right i can't remember but the, the dog and prey is worth yeah dog and like, prey you know, even, even though he was apparently difficult to work with but um uh, there's porthos in, in enterprise Right. Not on my list because um, okay. I've never really gotten into Enterprise. Um, the, the the one that came to mind was actually the wolf in the J.D. Hobb novels, um, which I guess mm. I'm going to count as a dog. Uh, J.D. Hobb, their, their fantasy novels. Um, I can't remember the name. Uh, the name of the... Um, there, There is Lucky from Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah, Lucky from Hawkeye Lucky was from... good. The pizza eating Hawkeye. dog was good. Yeah. Um, uh, people are Astro from Jetsons. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I'm not in crypto from Superman now. Um, it's tough to think of. Oh, there's um, <laughs> the dog in um, I Am Legend, who. Oh, died. that was so sad. Spoiler. Yes. Oh, uh, that, no, that was ripped, ripped your heart out. Uh, yes. <laughs> kills the dog. I mean, it's yeah. part of the story, but I, I cried. Uh, you know what? This is oh, a weird and then, thing. The dog, the dog in the expanse. The dog in what? In the expanse. Oh, you oh. haven't come across it. Yeah. Oh, because it, what, it was in the book series, not in the, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing, um, I will talk about these when we do, but there's a, there's a, it's not exactly a dog, but a dingo dongo in the film Riddick, uh, which is all CGI created, but actually very adorable. Oh, and then there's the uh, the Bumblebilly in the Dark Tower series. Now I'm thinking of a bunch of them. 
Billy Bumble. Uh, oh, up, up is sci-fi. Yes, I think you know what because I mean the dog talks, so like that automatically makes it sci-fi. So Doug yeah, the, definitely is automatically top five. Can you all tell? Like my memory for I have such a bad memory for names, except if in you except usually if they're dogs. Like usually I remember <laughs> dogs' names. I was at this event over the weekend for a charity here in Austin that is the low cost vet clinic that actually did Molly spay. <laughs> um, and we were sitting at the table at, at, at the you know event, and I actually felt like I had a brilliant idea. I was like, why don't we all exchange pet pictures? <laughs> everyone get out their phone and show each other. Because I knew I was going to remember the dogs' names, if not everyone at the table. So uh, now we have the film Funny Pages from Doug, the kid who's really into underground comics. Do either of you have a favorite comic book graphic novel series, Dan? I mean, yes, but I won't. I will say it's not sci-fi. I mean, in the sense that, um, I mean, like everyone else, I loved Watchmen when it came out. Um, but my favorite comic, it would be Calvin Hobbes. I know that's a cliched answer, but it's still uh, Opus is behind still, you. Also, Bloom County. Yes, I was going to say Bloom County is definitely. Yes, Opus. Yes, I know. Uh, uh, you know, so Bloom County as well. Um, and I guess The Far Side, uh, which is, is border, border sci-fi, I would argue. Um, you know. That's true. I, I have a, I, have a, I, I think, a, a good story here, which is mm -hmm. that my dad, who everyone who listens to him know I completely adore and I think is a hero in many ways, um, is also a not socially adept person. Uh, necessarily. And I think Dan can attest to the importance of student evaluations in modern day <laughs> academia. Definitely modern day. And, academia, yes. and uh, my dad is mostly graduate student guy. That's what, you know, he does research and mostly works with graduate students. But when he was teaching at uh, Michigan State, they had a requirement that he, he had to teach like a big lecture class. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had really bad student evaluations. <laughs> oh no! In part because he didn't teach to the test, like he didn't. He would. No one told him like that. That's part of the <laughs> part of the deal these days. That you can't surprise students anymore. Like you have to. If they encounter oh, yeah. something on the test that's not that hasn't been fed to them, at some point they get mad. I don't know. It it gets tricky, but leave it this way. There's, you have to do a lot more table setting than you used to as yes. a professor. Over the, that's the yes. Especially also as a graduate instructor, yeah, like, yeah, or as yeah. someone who's used to working with graduate students, like, so he had, he got pretty bad student evaluations. And so they made him go to a pedagogy workshop. Oh man, uh, they really didn't like him. Wow. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> that is just mean. Uh, which is a class in which they, which is where they tell you how to teach undergrads, basically. And so that is when he discovered you had to teach to the test. And they were told him, you need more humor. Like you have to have some lightness in the class, yeah. right? So what my dad did, he's a, he's a logical man, is that he started every class before class started uh, on the overhead projector. He put a far side cartoon so that when students got into class, the thing they saw first was a far side cartoon. Not the worst way worked. to go. I got to say it yeah. worked. His student yeah. evaluations like went 
way, way up because he taught to the test and he put up a far side cartoon in the beginning of class. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not. Yeah. So that's my long, that's my long answer. I also love the Watchmen. Um, I also, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, um, Walking Dead, the cartoon, the comic book series. The comic really book, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I haven't done. I actually just I for the first time ever checked out Sandman on my iPad. I've never done like oh you never done digital, it like electronically, yeah, electronically. And I am enjoying that. We're about to do Sandman the TV show. And I want to be able to speak to a little bit um, the original. Uh, you know, um, comic strip, comic strip. I'll say there. I'm not sure it exists anymore, but get fuzzy is a comic strip about a, a man and his dog and his cat. And a lot of it's based in the humor of dogness and catness. Um, that actually and, sounds like an yeah. Elmore Leonard ripoff, but yes. <laughs> I know. Um, and it, <laughs> there's two, my, the two examples, um, the cat's name is Bucky and I can't remember the dog's name, but there's a, one of the dog's lines is uh you can food anything if you eat it, which I've always really liked. And sometimes I think about. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. can food you anything if you eat it. And then um, the cat is, there's an exchange with the cat that I always think about where um, uh, the cat's like, why do you always say you love, like you love us, right? Like why, like the cat's like, I don't understand like love, whatever. And the owner is like, well, love is a thing that you do when you want to, you, you have, love is a feeling you feel when you want to do things for other people. And, and it's a reciprocal kind of thing or whatever. And the cat's, and, and. Cat's like, I don't get it. What are you talking about? Like. And the, and, 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 uh, I think it's something, something like, and the cat's like, it's almost time for dinner. And the guy doesn't say anything. And Becky goes, I love you. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, Zippy the Pinhead also. Yes, I remember that. Um, uh, that was, we always have long answers. Um, any thoughts on Paper Girls? I have not seen it. Uh, um, I understand Jason I, Manzoukas has a has a small role, so I'm, I'm inspired. He does. Um, I, so I am, uh, I think I'm more than halfway through it, but I have to admit, I, I'm probably going to finish it at some point. I started watching it right before going to Polynesia, but I confess I'm a little bummed because I believe Amazon canceled it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I am not entirely sure, you know, like, should I, should I, you know, like, I feel like watching the rest of it is almost like torture in terms of, you know, seeing a show where my understanding is it ends with something of a cliffhanger and we have no idea. We'll, we'll never know how it proceeds. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, you know, I thought that the most interesting thing about it was that you had, there was sort of this commentary on class, which maybe will intrigue Anna, because the the premise is, is that it's four girls who have paper routes in 1988, suddenly through a freak thing, get transported to 2019. And um, turns out there's this temporal war. But that's, the interesting thing was that the idea that those four girls in 1988 came from very different neighborhoods, and I'm not sure they would have been friends come 2021. Um, and that doesn't really get commented on explicitly, which was good. Um, but it was interesting to, to watch. But uh, I'm not sure, I, you know, and also it's interesting. Actually, I will say the other interesting thing is that Jason Manzoukas does not play a typical Jason Manzoukas role. Um, he does not play Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> he is not playing Jason Manzoukas. Yes, yes. 
Um, but he's or he's not playing a zany version of Jason Mantzoukas. He's actually playing like a bad guy in this. Um, oh, wow. But like not a not a good like, not like a dirt bag guy, but like an actual bad guy. And so there's a little more menace to him than normal. Uh, Dan knows who Jason Manzoukas is in part because Dan has started listening to How Did This Get Made, uh, and <laughs> well, I've, I've, no, is... I was a fan of Jason Manzoukas before that. Okay, like, I, he's in the Good Place. He's in. He was in Brooklyn Nine right. Nine. You know, I've seen right. him in lots of other things, but but I he's perfect as a podcaster because his voice is just like. His voice he's is animated. Just, There's no other way to put it. Yeah. He's animated. And um, I just yeah. love him. He's my favorite of the trio that do that podcast. Yes. And uh, yes. the other reason I love him is that he told us a Dan, he's our age. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and he also I can identify off as a you know 30 something. And so there's right. like, I love it when people are like, the, the career doesn't, I mean, my career started before then, but I don't know, like, that there's that there's growth and he's and a rel well by hollywood discovery. standards he's a relatively late bloomer i think so that, yes yes yeah and also oh he's also yes. in uh, a, a, a very underrated show called i'm sorry which i love oh yeah the um, league is you, like the league is actually where i first saw him and of course paul Shear yeah. league is pretty great um we have a few more questions um okay what is the aua email aua episode going on the schedule i don't think i saw it on the newsletter i thought we already did it we did it the the mailbag episode is that the question is that the one that you're thinking i think of? she's asking perhaps oh wait, wait, wait no no no. i when is the email AUA? No, no no it did go on the schedule or yeah it, it was already didn't it get we posted posted? it I... yeah billy let me know if like in the discord if you're not seeing it so i think you missed it billy we i believe we posted it i may be wrong like august is a blur let me see here. Actually, oh dear, she might be right. Because I'm looking. Did at I not Patreon post it? And, leave this way. It's not on the Patreon list now. That I know. That okay, I'm looking at Acast. There, they get posted elsewhere. Looking at Acast, and this will be embarrassing if I didn't do it. Because we definitely recorded that. That I'm quite certain. August AU. Oh my goodness. We didn't. There is a missing oh, episode twenty thirty thirty two. Thank oh, you, dear. Billy. Um, actually, I think it might be. Is this? I think it might be disguised as the ep second episode thirty-one. Hold on. Uh oh. You know what? They don't need to know the technical stuff, but let's just say we will try to get this posted as soon as possible. Yes. Sorry about that. I think I okay. posted two episodes. I posted two of the what we did on our summer vacation episode and did not post the AUA one. Sorry. Oh, dear. We uh -oh. hope someday <laughs> that if we ever really make money on this, what I'm going to be doing is hiring <laughs> someone to do the technical stuff. I am um, so looking forward to us making enough money for us to hire someone that I can yell at. I can, make this happen, people. Because okay. he, like, he's true, I, he he can't really yell at me because I'm. I cannot yell at Anna. I don't want to yell at Anna. Also, but like I I want to have like someone I can yell at, particularly in a Jason Manzuka's voice. It's like that was a garbage upload, you know. Like I, I want to be able to say <laughs> that just repeatedly. Yeah, we need we, we what we need is someone who will do the post. Basically, all I really really need is someone who's going to post stuff on time. Because <laughs> like, yeah. that for some reason is like a thing that I. I don't know. I have some block about like making sure to do it. I have, it's on my to-do list. It's a reoccurring thing on my to-do list every Friday. And I do think what happened with the AUA episode is that I posted two of the other episodes. Oh dear. 
<laughs> okay, that will be fixed. We promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, is that it? There's a last question. One last question. question. Nice oh, guy. Uh, I have I watched like two minutes of it. I haven't seen anything else. Um, but also, again, if it's canceled after one season, my, you know, my inclination is there's a lot of TV out there. There's a lot of content to be processed. If I know there's not going to be like either a resolution <laughs> or the possibility of further episodes, it does diminish my desire to watch it. I would say Archive 88 might be an exception to that rule if you haven't seen it. It's got pretty good resolution. Um, and I think it's interesting and genuinely creepy. Um, and I did not see that. And I will say in part, it's for the reasons that um, Dan says. I also want to say I like J.K. Simmons. A lot of people on the Discord and in the general fans of this podcast have recommended um, his oh, sci-fi series, Counterpart. I watched Counterpart, the first three episodes yeah. and was not taken by it. Oh, interesting. So I did not finish watching it. And I'm not, I just, some things don't hit, you know, some things hit some, some people and don't hit others. Thank you everyone for showing up. I uh, did another apology in that I didn't <laughs> post the AUA episode. Um, we are doing our first original content episode today, talking about Sandman. Um, yes. And I'm looking forward to getting back on top of things. We're getting back to the uh, things. Yes. Getting back to the swing of things. Um, in time for school. Thank you. you can, mm. <laughs> what? In time for school, yes. A month ago that would have been read it true. Like, you know, we're <laughs> school school is well into session now, Anna. I have bad news for you. But yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. it takes a while to get into the swing of things. There we go. Year, totally fair. Right? Yes. Uh, oh, that's right. Thank you very much, Rich. Uh for those of you who celebrate, uh Lashana Tova to everyone. Uh it'll be Rosh Hashanah beginning this evening. Um have a sweet and happy new year. Uh, I've always really I've always really loved the concepts of Rosh Hashanah. Like I think it's such a cool holiday. Like there's what not, I there should like, be I like, yeah we should do one Go ahead. <laughs> us we should do we should do a rosh hashanah like mean like no like you know oh. what we should do on it oh okay yes oh I was. but what are you what saying you, what we should do we should we, do a, a celebration of a jewish holiday sometime? we should do a seder together at some point oh we should do a well seder. i would love to come visit you someday oh that would be great Aww. so if we can make that happen okay. that would be really cool we'll uh i would love that i've been to a couple and they're it's a They're wonderful. Fun. I mean, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you, okay. everyone. And see you. We're next, back on track. Uh, we promise. Yes. Month. Yeah, yes. we promise. Yeah. All right. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye bye.